All right. We're back, Rob. And we're, it's been a while. It's been like more than a month. The last time listeners heard us, I was the one who sounded a little under the weather because I was sick. And apparently, I didn't know this, but a cold can be transmitted through Skype to someone in the UK because now you're feeling a little under the weather. Yeah, exactly. You were ill, and then here we are, forty days later. It's been forty days since we. Has recorded. it been forty? Yeah, go. That's way too long. That's probably the longest we've ever gone, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, we. I, I noticed this before we recorded. We didn't record the entirety of November. I think that might be the first month we've ever missed. Well, we're very sorry. We apologize. There's a lot of things that come that, that are that resulted in this. The first was I went off on a European holiday. It sounds kind of fancy. It really was. It was somewhat fancy. It looked pretty and fancy. That, yeah, there were aspects of it fancy. And then Rob got Rob moved his his house. He bought a new house and he moved in and had no internet for like a week. And then he got sick. So that was like a whole bunch of cascade of things over the last forty days. Oh, the internet! So I was using a five G router that my work pay for because a couple uh-huh. of people have needed it when there was remote working, and then. Um, I think we had a colleague at one point who moved into a flat and was just using that instead of getting internet. Um, Mm -hmm. And um, so I used that and I could get, well, for about five minutes, I had 130 down on this 5G router. And I thought, Uh that's amazing. This This is great. I can live like this. I thought... There was a part of me that thought, I can just keep this router and never pay for my own internet. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> um, it lasted about five minutes. I was never able to get that speed again. I I, I survived on... Survived. Listen to me. Um, yes. I, th- I think I had maybe 12 or 15 down at most um, for, the two, for the two weeks that I was using that. That's pretty rough. I mean, that's... You're certainly not... It's not easy to watch video at those levels, and you could sync your, your code over, I suppose, to GitHub and things like that for work, but, you know, text files are probably the best you could do with, with that speed. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I, I've always been amazed by this is Netflix's ability to stream on the worst possible connections... You were watching Netflix with this? Oh, yeah. Oh, well, and, that's good. And honestly, I would not know any difference, specifically for Netflix. Really? Other services did struggle. Disney Plus, Prime, you could tell it was a snow connection. Yeah. Whatever I wizardry think, that Netflix are doing on their end works amazingly they, well. Yeah, I think they crunch the files down pretty hard. They compress it pretty hard before they send it to you. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, and I guess they, they're probably doing some smart detection, obviously, too, so that if they know you have a, a good up and down speed, or good down speed, really, you can you can stream it at 1080 or 4K. But yeah, that's, that's good. At least you weren't without your television. You had something to watch, which is always good, especially when you need a break from uh, unpacking boxes and all doing all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, we haven't spoken about this at all, but this... this... So obviously this whole process, I mean, I think the f- we put our offer in sometime in March or no, sorry, June, I think, or July. So this whole process had gone on for like nearly five months. Yeah, and the whole then summer. we and then we got one week notice till we were moving. Oh we had, no. We had no movers booked. Um everybody was moving because everybody has been moving over the summer. Yeah. So I had to phone around a bunch of companies and all these companies were like, No, we can't do that day. Um, you know, yeah. it's too short notice. I mean, event. Thankfully, we found somebody at a reasonable price who was available, and um, and these guys came, and 
I mean, they were amazing. They packed our house up in like two hours. Um, oh, wow. All that's our great. stuff just straight into two vans. And then I think we had to wait around for about half an hour till we got the keys, which is mm-hmm. really not that long in terms of house buying. Like some people can wait hours. Right. Um, and then, yeah, the other end, they got it all out. Again, maybe an hour and a half, two hours. And yeah, it was all done. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, right after, not I guess I'm not even sure how exactly when it was. It was right before Halloween that I went to first Ireland, then Rome, then Ireland again. And I guess I kind of got in and out of Europe at right about the right time because things seem like they're getting pretty hairy again in a lot of countries, but uh, including yeah. Ireland for that matter, but and and England, although I wasn't there. But um, I went over for my son's graduation, which was really fun. It was in Latin, which was kind of neat oh, in an old, very old building. You know, Trinity College in Dublin was founded in the 1500s. It's I think it's Europe's oldest university, and. It, you know, there's a lot of old traditions there. And so that was a lot of fun. And we had a good time hanging out there. And Jennifer was with me for the first, she was there for the first stint in Ireland. But then she left and I was there for another day. And then I went on to Rome to visit with Federico because we were just kind of planning out Mac stories for the next year. And the nice thing about that, I mean, obviously, is that Federico takes me to good places to eat so we basically would <laughs> we would talk about mac stories for a while in the morning then we go have a good lunch then we talk some more in the afternoon then we go have a really fancy dinner and then we just repeat the next day and i went to his hometown of viterbo which was really cool it was really it's a beautiful city it's like a medieval city in the foothills of the mountains and uh you know we were sitting outside having some appetizers and drinking some wine and I don't know. It was it was very nice visit. We didn't do a lot of touristy stuff, but it it literally was pretty work related in the sense that he and I hadn't seen each other in two years, so uh, we had a lot to, a lot of catching up to do. But we we took advantage of all the local great Italian restaurants that he knows, uh, and then I went back to Dublin again for like three days because. When I booked this trip, I was really concerned about all the COVID testing and the timing and making sure that I could get mm-hmm. a get a test before I got on an airplane in the right amount of time. And I had heard that the COVID places were closed on Mondays in Dublin. And it was just, there was a lot of uncertainty around, mostly around the testing. And it turned out not to be that big a deal. Now, I think the part of the problem is that the rules keep changing, right? And I know the United States is thinking about changing them again. But it it was um, it wasn't that bad. I ended up. I don't know how many times did I get tested? It was a lot on, on the way out, and then on the way to Rome, and then on the way home from Dublin again. I didn't. I ended up not doing it from Rome back to Dublin because it turned out I didn't need to do that to move from one EU country to the other. At least at the time, I don't know that may change. But in any event. It wasn't that bad, you know. It's just a matter of paying money. They those tests they charge you know, like 80, 80 euros maybe, not cheap. Uh, but literally, I would go to the. I had two appointments in Dublin, uh, separated by a week, and I walk in, get my test, walk out, walk back to my son's uh, apartment, and by the time I was there, I had the results. So, oh wow, that's kinda, really quick. Yeah, it was really super quick. It was it was really just super easy and quick and. Uh, Dublin had their act together, I thought, in terms of 
you know, they were opening up, but they were being very, people were really good about worrying. I actually, the bottom line is I felt more safe in Europe than I did in the United States in terms of people respecting wearing masks mm-hmm. and contact tracing and all that stuff. And while it wasn't perfect there, I felt comfortable going out and going to restaurants and things, and much more so than I do at home. And I don't know, maybe that was just me, but it also felt like the people both in Ireland and Italy were make, were being more careful, and especially in Italy, where they you could not walk into a place without showing some sort of proof of vaccination. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you bring up the testing because since the last time, so the last time we talked, I had not had to do a COVID test at all. Uh-huh. Um, not at all. And then two days after we'd moved in, I get a notification from the app telling me that we'd been exposed to somebody who'd been too tested positive. Oh, Pre- no. Pretty sure it was the moving people because we didn't see anybody else that day. Right. Um, and then I went to a gig Wednesday last week. And there was like 400 people there. And I, even when I walked out, I thought, yeah, I'm definitely going to get pinged by the app. And lo and behold, like two days later, I got picked by that, telling me that like <laughs> yeah. I needed to go get a test. Um, so like in these last like four weeks, I think I've done like five or six COVID tests. Um, oh, even though I've gone like a year and a half with never having to do one, and I've done like five or six in the last like three or four weeks. In your nose or in your throat? Uh, both. Okay, yeah. No, these these are the these are the the nose throat ones. Um, so yeah. you have to do both things. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I've had either or, and I don't know. They each have their, they each have, they both are somewhat unpleasant, but not awful. So, I mean, it's not like the end of the world. On the other hand, it does feel like someone's tickling your brain when they put it in your nose and it, oh, yeah. And touch and touching your tonsils when you do the throat. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do another one as well because obviously everybody can hear that I'm not well. And I'm like, yeah, I've done tests and I've, you know, I've done a prop test and I've done like the, the, the rapid test and I'm like, but I'm still not convinced and I'm supposed to be going out. So I'm going to do more COVID tests just yeah. to make sure. Cause I really don't, um, you know, it's one thing if I've got it, but it's another, I don't want to spread this to people. Like that's no, not, yeah. that's not fun. Yeah. No. And the reality is you still, people still get sick with ordinary stuff like a cold. I got a very bad cold and it was because, my family, you know, my wife and son were both back at the high school where she works and he goes to school and brought back some kind of cold virus. And I was totally fine, except, I mean, fine in the sense that I didn't have COVID, but I did have a pretty nasty cold for a couple of weeks. And, yeah. And, and after, you know, after almost two years of not getting sick because we were so isolated from everybody else, it was no fun being sick. I felt a lot worse than I normally would if I caught a cold in the past. Oh yeah, I definitely think that's what it is that you know because I I very very rarely get sick. Yeah, um, I mean I mean to the point you know I I phoned in sick for work last week, um, and I think I've only done that like five times in like eight years. Like I just I do not get sick enough to phone in sick for work. But last week I was like, nope, I'm gonna have to just lie on the sofa and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you'll be better soon. That's that's enough sick talk, Rob. We need to move on to something more fun. What have you? Do you have any video games you've been playing recently? Oh yeah, I I got um, Hot Wheels Unleashed on on sort of your recommendation. I was already interested, but you sort of told me more about it, and um, that made me buy it. And yeah, I've been having loads of fun with that. It's so good. Yeah, it's a great game. It's it's just super low key and lots of fun 
things you can do and a lot of nostalgia built into it. But but it plays. I don't know. I like I like car racing games that are like that that aren't like the hyper realistic games so much. And uh, that one really that one really is fantastic. Oh yeah, definitely. And I unlocked the uh, I think it was the hot dog car, which oh. is which not only is that a fun car to drive, but it's it's got like the highest acceleration and speed. I think in the game, so it makes the time trials a hell of a lot easier. Oh, that's nice. I I have seen the hot dog car in person, just so you know, more than once actually. Oh. Wow! Uh, if uh... it's if you if it's what I'm thinking is, which is like a a car that actually looks like a hot dog in a bun, right? Right. Are you talking about the? Is it, was it Oscar? Oscar Meyer. Yeah. Is that the yeah, thing yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. I, I think it's slightly different. I think this is like Hot Wheels own version of a hot dog car but i do know the thing you're talking about as well i'm familiar with that as well all right i have not unlocked the special hot wheels one but i have seen the oscar meyer hot dog Mm -hmm. um interesting Uh, you know speaking of weird food not that hot dogs are that weird but we never i don't think we ever talked because we had spent so long about the brock's turkey dinner candy corns Remember, I, I sent you that uh, Twitter thread about that weeks and weeks ago. Yeah, I think so. I yeah, took t- two I took two bags of them with me to Europe. Okay. I left one with my son. Yeah. And I took the other one to Federico and made him eat it during <laughs> during the App Stories Plus uh, segment for the show. I had him. We taste tested them. Uh, it would have been better with video, I suppose. But I've I'm here to tell you that green beans. And turkey are two things that should never be flavors of candy. They are really disgusting. Yeah, and this is candy corn, is it? Yeah, so yeah. candy corn are like triangular shaped, and like traditionally they don't really taste like much other than sugar. Mm-hmm. They're really just maybe a little caramely in a way, but they're really just tricolor, uh, fall-colored candies that are usually come out around Halloween in the U.S. Right. And And these were different colored ones, and they were... They had turkey, green beans, stuffing, uh, what else did they have? Coffee and apple pie. Now, coffee and apple pie, not so bad. Uh, You know, apple pie tasted a little bit like that fake apple, that all fake apple Mm -hmm. candy tastes like. Coffee tasted really quite nice. Uh, The, the, uh, what were the other ones? Stuffing. Stuffing, uh, I don't know, fairly inoffensive, not, not super flavorful, but... But turkey had kind of this garlicky, briny, salty flavor, oh. and the and the green beans. I described it as this: it's tasted like either eating grass or vegetables that had sat in your fridge for far too long and were starting to you know rot. Basically, it, they were they were really bad, really bad. But that was that was kind of fun. It was kind yeah, of yeah. I, I mean, speaking of Christmas themed food i am on the hunt um i've seen that walkers are doing a mince pie flavored bag of crisps um, really yeah interesting that, that, i know i like mince pies yeah but i'm not that sure is... how that's going to translate but i'm definitely going to buy them if i see them anyway yeah that that's very interesting you do you know they do a lot of good a good good flavor interesting flavors of crisps in the uk i'm i'm mm. always impressed with the flavors i hear about and, hmm. and then it's funny because the people in the UK look at Europe, like mainland Europe, and they're like, no, yeah. no, no, we want the crisps that they've got. 
because they have way better flavors than we do as well because generally europe has lays and we have walkers yeah and although they're technically the same company like they are i thought they were they're owned by the same brand but they are separate crisps for the most Mm. part um so like europe and, and america as well gets different flavors to us like I know you guys get the tomato ketchup flavored various right. different ones. We never get those or, or very, very rarely get, get that kind of flavor. Uh-huh. Interesting. Sorry. We, um, they have some good, good, uh, I call them chips. I'm going to have to call them chips. Good chips in Dublin, in Ireland, some interesting ones that were quite good. But, uh, Tato is a big brand there. I, mm-hmm. that was that's not the one that I'm thinking of that I liked a lot. I forget the name of the other one, but, uh, Anyway, yeah, I had, you know, I I enjoyed sitting in pubs, working on Mac stories, drinking a pint of Guinness. I did a little of that. That was nice. Fun. Sat in some uh, sat in some coffee shops because my way back, basically the way there when we got there the first time to Dublin, that was really just that was truly a vacation. That was like doing family stuff, going to the graduation, and everything. Um, Rome was really work, but it wasn't like work like publishing things the you know the the website kind of ground to a halt for the most part for the for the week i was there but and then the way back in dublin i was starting to ramp back up and so and i was trying to keep out of my son's hair because he was actually working and his girlfriend was going to school and yeah i needed to make myself (laughs) semi-scarce so i could spend so i could sleep in their spare bedroom so i did that and uh yeah it was good it was nice it was a nice way to kind of ease back into the the normal, the normal of you know working back at home and everything. I will say that Aer Lingus, the the Irish airline, has terrible deals for Wi-Fi on their planes. They they charge you a lot of money and they have caps, and the caps are so low that it was about good. It's good for texting, and that's about it, uh, which is too bad. I mean, I, I, I can't know. help but my plane wi-fi is not good enough it is it's, it's such a funny compl- i get what you're saying i mean totally but it's such what a comp- what a thing to have to complain about it's like the internet on my flying metal tube in the sky isn't good enough. over over the north atlantic ocean <laughs> right you've got people like people like my mum who live in in the uk but they're a bit yeah. far away from a city so they can barely get any internet and you're complaining oh, no. about your, your sky wi-fi yeah it was, it was it was bad though i'm just telling you it cost me like you know 30 euros for th- i don't know 250 megabytes um, oh wow yeah, that, <laughs> yeah that, it was, it was not cheap for what it was and i burned through it pretty fast uh, which, you know, I, the other thing I did was I was in economy and I actually wrote an article. It was a little experiment. I should probably write about this, but I, I wrote an article on the iPad mini using the swipe key, the little mini swipe keyboard, like a thousand words. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I had to get some, I was trying to get a bunch of stuff done before I left town and there was like, I was one story short of being done. And so I wrote the first draft with the swipe keyboard holding that thing across the Atlantic ocean. So, uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, it wasn't, I wouldn't recommend it, but in a pinch it worked. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, well, I literally didn't have enough room, even with an iPad mini to really, I, well, not, I guess the mini would have been fine if it had some kind of keyboard that was reasonable, but obviously it doesn't for, you know, like in terms of a physical keyboard. And my MacBook Air, I couldn't even open it uh, on the table tray. It was too, right, even yeah. that was too, you know, even that was too big. So 
Uh, I couldn't do that. I didn't really need a lot of Wi-Fi. I needed. A, I wanted to have a little bit of Wi-Fi, just for you know text messages and stuff like that. But uh, I, you know, I, I I slept part of the time too, so that was all right. What else is what What else is going on? Well, so you know me to be a man that has. I feel like the best way to phrase this is poo-poo a lot of smart home stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I, I tend to. I tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to smart home stuff. I think I don't. That's I don't pretty good. Pretty good policy, I think. Yeah, I don't want to jump too much into this stuff because, you know, there's there's things don't work or things do work. Um, but when we moved into the house, um, no smoke alarms in in the house at all. Oh. Uh, so obviously, those are fairly important. You know, it's it's right. A house is a big expensive thing you buy. You kind of want smoke alarms just in case it sets on fire. Um, yep, yep. so initially I was just looking at, you know, standard battery smoke alarms. And then I was talking to a colleague and he said, Oh, well, I've got nest smoke alarms at my house and they've got a little nightlight built in and they're, you know, they've got <laughs> carbon, carbon monoxide detection built in as well. And it was black Friday coming up and I was like, yeah, okay, this is what I'm doing. So I bought three, three of the, what do they call them? The nest protects, I guess they call them. Yeah, I think so. Um, and yeah, they're really nice. I mean, the you know, I assume they work. I hope I never have to find out if they work. <laughs> right. You don't um, really want to test it. But the um but the nightlight sort of I can't remember what they call it now. They have a weird sort of branding name, but it just sort of lights up the ring on the bottom so you can kind of see where you're walking at night without having to turn the lights on. That's um nice. has actually been really useful because we've got one, you know, upstairs at the top of the stairs and then there's one at the bottom and then we've got one in the kitchen as well um and it's actually been really useful because you just don't have to turn the lights on at all right Um, right of course this then led me down the i wonder if i can see the status of these in home kit um (laughs) which obviously out of the box you can't um, because they don't work with home kit and then i thought oh i've got a smart plug lying around somewhere that only works with the with the the echo um and the next thing i know i'm installing homebridge on my Mac Mini. Ah, there you go. Um, now, thankfully, because it was just these two items, the smoke alarms and the smart plug, I basically installed two packages and everything just kind of worked. Um, I think I'm still going to try and buy proper HomeKit stuff going forward. Yeah. But setting up HomeBridge was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Well, that's good to hear because I've always hesitated because I'm kind of, well, part of what I do is I test this stuff. So I'm kind of both hesitant to go too deep on certain kinds of home automation stuff, but I also try a lot just because of working at Mac Stories. But I I came to the conclusion a couple of years ago that you're best off just like riding one horse and sticking with it, you know, whether it's HomeKit or Google or Amazon, whatever it is, it having mixing and matching gets gets messy and it can be problematic. And if you only have one set of problems to deal with, it's fewer than you know two or three sets of problems, which which I appreciate. But um, and and the other thing about like HomeKit and any of these things is that sometimes you're just buying yourself trouble because you know people figured out how to lock doors a long time ago and it's really easy with a key. You just kind of turn it and it works. <laughs> but if you have an electronic lock and something gets, you know, is off and doesn't work right, 
that's not a good thing at all. Now I know they all have backup, like, you know, keys and that sort of thing. So maybe that's not the best example. Maybe a better example is like my, my garage doors, which, you know, I like having them on HomeKit, but they do need to be kind of fiddled with every so often because something gets askew and isn't quite communicating with the network properly. But, uh, but yeah, so I stick with HomeKit. I mean, I mostly lights, lighting stuff more than anything else, but I have this Roomba. And I know you can put that on Homebridge. And I really don't like the Roomba's app because it's very slow to connect. Like, I have a fa- I have ver- fast Wi-Fi, but the Roomba is very slow to connect to the app because what I think it's doing is it's phoning home to the Roomba servers and then ho- then communicating back down with the app. And it just takes too long. And the app's not very good. But it's the only game in town, really. I mean, they—I they, know they have IFTTT support, which is fine. But you know, you can only do certain things with it. I'd like to—I don't know. I'd like to do more with it, and I'd like to have it part of the HomeKit setup that I've got. But I don't. I mean, which is okay, I guess. But uh, but and I, I'm kind of living with it, and it's fine. And I really do like having a Roomba, by the way. But I have not set up Home uh, Homebridge because. I don't know. You know, it's it seemed awfully fiddly, but I do have a Mac Mini sitting in my closet, just doing. Right now, it's not doing a whole lot, so yeah, I, I mean, could use it for that. You know, I would be the first to complain and tell you if it was a terrible experience. Like, I'm not right. You know, I, I, I don't work for Homebridge. I don't care. Um, what I would maybe suggest you do is you you install it. You know, it, it's relatively easy to install. I think you just run a command or something and it installs. Yeah. Try the Roomba plugin. If it works, great. And you can maybe try some other stuff. If it doesn't, just move on. You've tried it. Right. Um, because there was a couple of other bits. Like I've got this, um, I've got like an LED light around the back of my TV. That's like a, it's a separate thing. It's not part of the TV. Right. Um, and there's a plugin for that, but apparently my specific model didn't work. And I was like, okay, fine. I can just move on. It doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my suggestion is try try it with the Roomba. If it works, great. If it doesn't, just, you know, you, you've given it a go and you can move on. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good suggestion. I, I'll tell you one thing that I am enjoying, even though it's fairly limited in what you can accomplish, is that shortcuts for the Mac, the home, the home app actions are actually pretty solid. I had been experimenting with some third-party HomeKit apps on the Mac that used URL schemes and other things to trigger lights. And while they have the ability to do things that the Home app can't, the URL schemes tended to fail with a fair amount of frequency, especially if my Mac had gone to sleep. And, you know, one one place where that's an obvious problem is when I get up in the morning and I want to turn on the lights in my office and my Mac's asleep because I haven't used it since the day before and the lights just, I can't get them to go on uh, with with shortcuts right away. So I, the, home, the home app actions, though, are pretty solid and you can control individual devices like lights or thermostats or whatever it happens to be, but you can also trigger scenes. So those are the two main things. And, you know, it's... It's not the best, but it's good enough. And so I've taken, you know, I have like three different mini shortcuts that are super simple. All they do is turn on the lights at different levels, low, medium, and high. And I can put those over onto a stream deck because I'm now one of those stream deck people. 
that are <laughs> so annoying on the internet. Uh, putting them on a button so I can just press the button and everything works. But uh, the Stream Deck actually is pretty cool. Well, um, if, if you um, you know, if you decide you don't want your other one, whatever it's called, you, the the other the Loop Deck, yeah. You know, you surely you don't need that. You can just send that to me. It's fine. I'll look after it for you. All right, all right. <laughs> I will tell you this. So I have learned the differences, and the biggest differences, well, aside from the fact that the Loop Deck is a lot more expensive because it's made out of metal, looks nice, and is elegant, whereas the Stream Deck. As, as useful as it is, it's a giant hunk of plastic that I yeah. think is a little bit ugly. But um, it obviously, the Loop Deck has the knobs that are pressable, which is really neat when you're doing something that has that kind of... Like anything that you would put a slider on in software is great for a knob because, you know, whether you're editing photos or whatever, you can... Or adjusting volume or brightness or whatever, you can use the knobs, which is which is handy. But the other thing that's really cool about the Loop Deck is that... It has this notion of different interfaces for different apps. It's very app-centric in a way that the Stream Deck isn't really. Stream Deck did something similar, but they don't do it as well. Because the Loop Deck, it will... Like, if I go to my Obsidian, which I'm one of those people too, um, and I'm writing in Obsidian, it has a whole different UI for all the things I programmed the buttons to do. On the Stream Deck, it does the same thing with profiles, but... It's not very good about switching back to like your default pre- profile after you leave the app that you are in. So it's just it's just not as elegantly designed in terms of the software. And I don't like the big chunky buttons that are clear with the LEDs behind them because they may work great for streamers who need to kind of press those buttons and not really look at them. But when you look at them, there are these big concave clear buttons that distort the icons under them, whereas the loop deck is a nice flat matte LED button that's high resolution and looks fantastic with the icons. Uh, so I, you know, I've been, I, I'm torn. I've been, I actually was using the iMac, the M1 iMac that I had on loan from Apple with both, one on each side, which is a little much, probably. <laughs> yeah, that might be a bit much, but no, you're right. I mean, when I've seen pictures, I think you posted one today up close of the the Stream Deck, one of the buttons or something in it. It yeah. just doesn't look great. It really no. doesn't. No, it looks like a kid's chunky toy, right? I mean, I don't know. It's like, it it, it bothers me. I actually kind of like, well, so the M1 iMac is gone. I sent it back to Apple two days ago, which which is kind of sad. I really like that uh, computer, and I'm not buying one because I want to see what they come out with next. I have r- started to run into 16 gigabit gigabyte RAM limitations on both my MacBook Air and on the M1 iMac when I had it. Um, you know, if you have a lot of tabs open with, you know, real real resource hogging websites and then some electron, fun electron apps like maybe Discord or Grammarly or something like that open, that RAM can fill up pretty quick. And so I really would like something that has a minimum of 32 gigabytes of RAM and a bigger screen because I've gone back. So what I'm doing now is I've got my MacBook Air and it's just hooked up to a hub and to a, an, an older, it's like four years old now, a four-year-old LG 4, 4K display, which doesn't look, none of it looks nearly as nice as the iMac, but um, it's really the same computing power because they're both M, 16 gigabyte M1 Macs. Uh, but I really want not so much a faster processor, but I would like 
more memory and some decent storage because the the iMac I was using this is another complaint like my Wi-Fi complaint the 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 computer that I was using free of charge for several months from Apple uh, only had 500 gigabytes of of storage in it which is not a ton if you do a lot of bi- work with a lot of big files which I do when I'm producing podcast episodes and I do you know I'm editing like two to three of those every every week oh yeah that, yeah I mean the podcast files already add up very very quickly so yeah i don't yeah, I, I can understand that complaint yeah i i delete the working files after every show is actually published but you know the logic files are still there and i keep the logic files around for future use if i ever need them and i also just have the resulting wave files or or mp3s which aren't gigantic but uh but it does add up over time and i what i do is i just periodically move them to an external drive that I have hooked up to that Mac mini, which is now sitting in the closet behind me. So um, that's going to become my Plex server, Rob. I'm going to, my 2018 i7 is going to be a Plex server. <laughs> Very nice. I'm still using a, I think it's a 2013 Mac mini um, for my oh, Plex wow. server. And it, and it still sits there. It's just sitting there plodding along. It's running Homebridge. It's running Plex. It's fine. My problem is that the 2015 one that I'm using only has 250 gigabytes of, of memory, of storage in it. And an awful lot of that's taken up by the operating system. So I've gone in over mm-hmm. time. I've gone in over time and deleted app after app after app and, and you know try, turned off Dropbox and turned off iCloud storage as much as possible. And, and it's, got, it's just got a bunch of hard drives hanging off of it for the stuff that Plex is serving. But... Um, but it is pretty constrained with the 250 gigabytes of, of storage. So this this mini that I've got has a terabyte, and that'll that actually will let me do some stuff with the internal storage as well as hanging hard drives off of it. Yeah, definitely. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going back to the mini. I'm not going back to the 2018 mini. As much as I like that, it's hot and it makes noise. And even yeah. it's you know even now I sit at my desk with the M1 MacBook Air, which is totally silent. And I have this um, mini in the closet, and I can hear it, <laughs> especially with the drives that are connected to it for backups and stuff. I can hear that whole contraption going in the closet, and I just don't want to go back to doing that. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna wait out Apple and see if they come out with. I want either a more robust Mac Mini that's got an M1 Pro or Max, and or an I, a bigger iMac, something with a bigger screen. The screen on the M1 iMac is amazing. I really want it, but 24 inches is uh, just not quite big enough for what I. I mean, I just I'm just used to having 27 a 27 inch 4K screen. I don't really want to shrink that down at all. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, well, I think we've uh, we've done it. We're back. We, we after however long it's been, um, and that went I all right. Know. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good to talk to you again. I hope you're feeling better soon. We will, you know, try to be back in a couple of weeks. I don't see why we won't be. Maybe we'll take a little time off at the holidays. I don't know. I am with some of my other shows, but uh, but we're back hopefully on the regular schedule now that you have a house to live in and, and I've got <laughs> I'm internet. back in America. Yeah, yeah you got absolutely. internet. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll talk to you later then. Rob. Yeah, I'll speak to you later.